Jerry Seinfeld said, uh, who wants to be responsible? He said, whenever anything bad happens, the first thing that anybody asks is, who's responsible? Who's responsible around here? And you know, we don't like to be responsible. You know, we, we sort of shirk that. And I, I don't always mean in like work, but there's just something inside of us that we don't want to take responsibility for things. We we don't want to be the responsible one. We don't want to have a problem. We, we want to sort of, other people have problems. You know, we want to spread the blame around. Your mom told you that there was safety in numbers. Now, she didn't mean to lie to you, but it's not really true. Um, there's, a, there's a sociological phenomenon described as the bystander effect or as the Genovese syndrome. And what it says is this, is that in any given room, if something bad happens, the responsibility is diffused or diluted or shared among everybody in that room. So if something bad happens and there's 10 of you and nobody does anything, it's not a problem because you're only 10% responsible. You know, if you're in a room with 100 people and something bad happens and you don't do anything, that's, that's even better because you're only 1% responsible at that point in time. This is why stuff happens on the highway and you drive past it and nobody calls the police. Why? Because, well, somebody else will do that or somebody else has done that or it's, it's their job to do that. We, we don't want to be responsible for things. It's true in our spiritual lives too. Bad things happen and we don't want to be responsible. So we start to do something that we call blaming. We blame other people for the bad stuff that happens inside of us. Here's the thing is we're going through this, this study of freeways. We're trying to capture what it means for us as Christians to live in, in freedom, the way that God wants us to live in freedom. We, we've got to come to grips with this one reality, and that's this, is that as long as we blame others for our circumstances, we can never take ownership of our lives. As long as we blame others for our problems, we can never take ownership for our lives. If it's always somebody else's fault, then it's never, ever going to be your responsibility. And so as long as we keep blaming other people, we can never take ownership of our lives. Now, I want to say this, is it's not just you and it's not just me. It's, it's been ingrained in who we are from the very, very beginning of time. If you go back in the Bible to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, you're going to see the very first sin take place. It's, you, you know the story. You've got Adam and you've got Eve, and they're there in the garden, and the serpent comes along to tempt them, and they eat of the fruit. Eve eats the fruit. She gives some to Adam, who the text says is standing there with her, and he eats some of the fruit. And at that point in time, God comes down, and it says that they hid from God. And in the very first moment where they could have taken responsibility, they could have acknowledged their sin, Here's what happens. They blame each other. They blame each other. Eve, she is going to um, blame the serpent. She said, the serpent tricked me and I ate. Adam's uh, blame is going to be a little more subtle. He's going to say, Eve, the, the woman, she gave me the fruit. But notice that he's also blaming God. He says, the woman that you gave me, 
She gave me the fruit, and that's when I ate it. And so God really, if we're looking at this whole thing from sort of a thousand-foot perspective, God, I think you ought to confess that you own this a little bit too. Adam's not going to take responsibility for this. Eve's not going to take responsibility for this. They're going to hide. They're going to blame. And, and it's what happens. It's, here's an equation for you. It's, it's our sin plus shame equals blame. We, we commit a sin. We do something that we're not proud of. We do something that, that, that we wish we hadn't done, and so we're ashamed of it. And so what do we do? Our sin, coupled with our shame of our sin, we blame other people for it. Now, we might be asking the question is, why do we do that? Why do we blame other people? The answer is this. It's a really quick way to discharge our pain. Because if I can say, well, you know, that wasn't my fault. She made me do it. Then all of a sudden, I've sort of just diffused that situation, and I've put it on her. I mean, if you can't fix the problem, then fix the blame, right? Isn't that how we work? I mean, why take responsibility for this? There's a word we call this. We call this victimization. We become a victim of our own lives and our own situations and circumstances. It's kind of who we are. It's kind of what we do. It's kind of what we've done. Now, I know some of you in this room, you're going to push back on that a little bit. You're going to say, well, wait a second. You know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but there's been some stuff that's happened to me, and, and there's been some things that just kind of are part of who I am, and so it's really not my fault. And, and the, there's plenty of people to take the blame, Right? I mean, maybe some of this sounds familiar to you. You say, well, you know, it's my parents' fault because, you know, they didn't have a good marriage, and so, you know, I don't know what it's like to have a good marriage, and so the reason that, that my family's falling apart, it's not my fault, it's my parents' fault. Or you say, well, you know what? We wouldn't be having so much marital trouble except my husband, he doesn't know how to communicate. And so, you know, if he knew how to communicate and if he could talk to me and be honest with me, then maybe we wouldn't have these problems. Or man, you'll turn around and say, well, no, 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 it's my wife's fault. Because if she didn't blow everything out of proportion, because everything that goes on, it's a really big deal. If she didn't do that, then we wouldn't have these problems. Or, or we'll blame our heritage. Well, of course I've got a temper. I'm Irish. And it's, it's all of a sudden now our genetic code. Or we'll blame the, you know, the, the school system. You know, the reason our kids are, are a mess, it's not my fault, it's the school system's fault, it's the teacher's fault. Or, or we'll blame the church, you know, the church is too shallow, or the church is too deep and I don't get anything out of it. You know, or we'll blame the politicians, right? This is the perfect one to do it right now. You know, it's, it, it's those liberal Democrats or it's those, it's those darn cold-hearted Republicans. It's, it's somebody else's fault, but I'm sure it's not my fault. And so the blame goes on and on and on. I spend too much because when I was growing up, we didn't have anything as a kid. Or the reason I lost my job was because the boss that I have, as soon as I walked in the door, he, I know he said to himself, he said, I don't like that guy. I'm going to make sure that he gets fired. Or, you know, the reason your relationship ends is the same reason your previous relationship ended. And that's because they all have problems, but you don't have any problems. You just can't pick them. That's the only problem you've got. Friends, so long as we live our life this way, blaming other people, we will never take ownership of our lives. I, I suspect a lot of that sounds familiar to you. It sounds familiar to me because there's this battle cry that, that as victims we have, and it's simply this, it's, it's not my fault. And let's just ask this question, think about this. 
What can you do when something's not your fault? Nothing, right? If it's not my mess, what can I do about it? It's not my fault. It's not my problem. It's not my issue. I just can't do anything about it. It's not my fault. So here's the thing with taking ownership. Taking ownership means this, is that it may not be my fault, but it's my responsibility. I love that, that quote from the book. I think it rings very, very true with Scripture, is it might not be your fault, but guess what? It's your life. And so guess what? It's your responsibility. And so if you want to move forward, you're going to have to take responsibility for, for sort of like everything, even the stuff that's not your fault. There's too many people that are held in bondage to their past because what they've got to do is they're like professional blame CPAs. You know, they look back at all the bad stuff that happens in their life, and they're sort of running a 10-key calculator, and they're saying, you know, for this situation, I'm 30% responsible, but everybody else, there's 70% of responsibility that goes around, and they run the 10-key calculator in their minds, and they, they want to make sure everybody knows whose fault it is. And so they're, the first conversation they'll have with you, they'll tell you, here's the reason I messed up, and I did a little bit of this, but let me tell you about this person. This is who the blame really belongs to. And they can't move forward, and maybe this is you. You can't move forward until you know that you're right and you know that everybody else knows that you're right. And we're stuck in the past because we're still trying to work out the numbers so that way it is not on me. But here's the thing. I, I know in your life and I know in my life, bad things happen. You know, I've been betrayed. I've had people betray my confidences. I've, I've been hurt by people. I've had people say disparaging things about me. And the key to moving forward is simply this. It's I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to own this. It, 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 think about it this way. If you were to leave here today, and God forbid this should happen, but let's say you were going to leave here today and you got into an accident. Maybe you're pulling into you know, the parking lot at Chipotle. That's where I see a lot of you after church. You pull in there and you get nailed by another car. Maybe somebody gets hurt. You've got an option there. You can make you know, one of two phone calls. You can call the police or you can call the ambulance. Now, the really astute people here are going, well, it's, it's the same number. Yeah, I, I get that. But, but they do radically different things. I mean, think about it. When the ambulance shows up, what's the question they're asking is, who's hurt? Who needs help? Where do we need to go? What, what treatment do we need? Show me the person that's hurt. I want to help them. The police roll on the scene, and it's a totally different set of questions. They roll on the scene, and they want to know what happened. Who's responsible? Who did this? Who was in that car? Tell me what you saw. How did this happen? The first one, the ambulance, they want to help and they want to heal. The police, at the end of the day, they're going to give somebody an award, a driving award. It's a citation of merit or dismerit for what somebody did. They're going to assign responsibility. And in this room, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people I know, just because I know people, there's a lot of people in this room who you have spent your entire life calling the emotional and the spiritual police. And all you really want to do is you want to make sure the right people get the blame. And you've never once picked up the phone and said, I'm hurting. God, I need some help. Can you bring some healing to me? And it's time for us to move past that. There's three simple words that lead us to this place of healing. And those three simple words are this. It's I own it. I own it. I'm going to own this. And the beauty of owning it is this, is that when we stop assigning blame and we take ownership of our lives, when we take ownership of our past, our problems, our sin, our pain, our forgiveness issues, our relationship issues, you can, it's your notes, you can put in whatever the issues are you want to put in there. But once you take ownership of those things, guess what happens? You can trade it in for God's best. I love this quote in the book, you can't blame your way to freedom. 
it is 110% true. You can't. You can't blame your way to freedom. I know some of you are out there, you're going, well, what does it look like for me to take ownership of my life? Well, how about this? It's, we're getting ready to be in Little League Baseball season, a season I, I, really, I really love, Little League Baseball. We're going to spend some time out there. And, and if you've, has, has anybody here been to a Little League Baseball game, watched Little League Baseball, played Little League Baseball? Some of you, okay, perfect. Well, ask your neighbor if you've never seen, but here's what happens. There's, there's two strategies to batting in Little League Baseball. First strategy goes something like this. This kid comes out, the helmet's about one size too big for him. The bat is probably about right, and he grabs that thing, and he's just swinging it like it doesn't weigh anything. He's coming out of the dugout, and he is swinging, and do not be in his way, because if you are, you're going to get, I've seen people just nailed with a baseball bat, because that kid is coming out, and he's coming out swinging. And he is swinging before he gets the plate. He gets the plate. He sees the plate. He takes that bat and he just pounds on that plate as though that plate was about five feet too tall. And he just drives it into the ground. The dust flies. I don't know how these plates survive a season. I mean, but he just pounds on it and he gets up there and he's, he's ready and he stares at the pitcher and it might even be his coach and he stares at him and he's going to swing. Now, he might swing before the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. He might swing after the, the ball's in the glove, but he is going to swing. Any, anything that gets thrown, he's going to swing at it. Whether you should swing at it or not, he's going to swing. And, that's how, and here's what happens. Eventually, he's going to hit something because it's the law of averages. It, it works in his favor. Now, there's another strategy. This kid comes out of the dugout, but he's not swinging his bat. His bat weighs about 500 pounds, or at least that's what it looks like. He's coming out, and he's dragging that bat all the way to the mound. And he gets up there, and his helmet's about three sizes too big, and he sort of brings that thing up on his shoulder, and he just rests it there, and he just looks kind of down, maybe at the ball, and that ball just whizzes right by him, and he never swings. He, well, he might swing once he knows it's sort of safe. You know, he hits the glove, and then he'll, he'll give it a swing. But that's it. Now, now the second one, everything's going to happen to him, right? Everything's going to happen to him. It's going to be the pitcher's fault. It's going to be the umpire's fault. It's going to be somebody else's fault, but he's not ever once going to try, the first one is when he gets done, guess what? He's going to say, you know what? Man, I gave it a good shot. I, I, I hit that ball. I swung at it. I went down swinging. I, I tell you, I think so often in our lives, we are just hoping for a walk. We come up to the plate and we just are saying, I just want to get hit with a ball because then at least I'd be guaranteed to get on base. Friends, that's no way to live our lives. It's time to take ownership and to give it a shot. Here's the thing. You can watch ESPN all you want. I've yet to see a highlight reel of spectacular walks. It just, it's just not going to be like, man, this guy took base like a pro. It doesn't happen. We've got to take ownership of our lives. We've got to try to make something of what's there. And, and here's the thing. The, the practical reality is this, is that unless you take ownership of it, you can't trade it in because you can't upgrade what you don't own. I, well, think about this for a second. Really, you can't upgrade what you don't own. So if everything's happened to you and none of it's your fault and you can't own any of it, you can't trade it in for God's best because you can't upgrade what you don't own. Try it. Try it tomorrow. Ask to borrow your coworker's car. Take it to Gary Force and say, I'd like to trade this in for something that I would like to drive. Try to trade in somebody else's car. See how far you get with that. 
Today it's Sunday. There's going to be open houses all over, all over Bowling Green. Get yourself an open house sign and a for sale sign. Find a house in Bowling Green you think is worth something and stick it in their yard and try to sell their house. Say, this is a great house. I had a friend of mine actually did that in high school. He, he listed, he and some friends took out some money, listed the high school as a house for sale. They didn't give the address. They just put the, the school phone number. They said, you know, 400 bedroom house, you know, 100 bathrooms, great manicured yard, you know, plenty of entertaining space, you know, full court gym. I mean, they listed the whole thing, you know, a private theater. They listed it all out there. You know, they're trying to, you can't do it. I mean, you really can't. You could try. It doesn't work that way. And that's true in our own lives. We've got all this stuff in our lives we have got to take ownership of because until we take ownership of it, we can't trade it in for God's best. That's what the cross is about. Jesus says, give me that sin. Give me that brokenness. Take my yoke on you and see how light it is. There's some folks in this room. Maybe it's you. Maybe you need to take some ownership of some things in your life. Maybe you came here because you've got a problem, or you've just got a problem. Maybe you've got a problem with, with drinking. And you go, well, how do I know if I've got a problem with that? Well, probably somebody's told you. And every day gets a little bit harder, and every evening you've got to get a little bit more in order to sort of feel better about yourself in the day. You've got to own that. Others of you, men, much more, but there's going to be some women in this room, you've got an issue with pornography. And you've got to take ownership of that. You, you know the cycle. You know how this goes. You, you look at that. You feel guilty. You cry out to God. You say, God, I'm never, ever going to do this again. And then what happens? It happens again. And you get stuck in this cycle of shame. You're going to have to own that. You, you're going to have to confess that to God. You're going to have to confess that to somebody else. And you're going to have to say, God, I, I need to take ownership of this problem in my life. Some of you got similar issues with food. You know, you, you eat and, and you, you, you just you eat because it makes you feel better about yourself and then you feel worse about yourself. It's, it's how it goes. And I know some people are like, well, that's not a real big issue. I think it is. Scripture tells us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, tells us that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. You know, and here's the thing. Obesity deaths in this country are going to trump alcohol-related deaths this year by far. It's not even going to be close. Friends, it's time we took ownership of those things. Some of you in here, you've got to take ownership of your marriage. And for you, that's going to be meaning getting some help. And you're going to say, well, I don't want to get help for my marriage. And somebody's going to know that we've got problems. Well, if you give it enough time, you'll get a divorce, and then everybody will know you've got problems. That's how it works. Are you going to take ownership of this? Friends, there's a lot of things we've got going on in our life. Some of you in this room, you're having sex with somebody you're not married to. You're going to have to stop that. Some of you have got forgiveness issues. There's somebody in your life that if we were really honest with each other, you would say, I hate this person. And God wants you to forgive that person. He does. He wants you to own that and forgive them. Now, I don't know what happened to you. You could tell me, and I don't know, and I probably wouldn't fully understand what that's done to you or what that's meant to you. But here's what I do know. I know that Jesus was stripped of his dignity, that he was nailed to the cross, and that even in the midst of the pinnacle of evil, he said, Father, forgive them. Because he could own that. Friends, it's time we took ownership 
of our lives. It's time we took ownership of our past. It's time we took ownership of our sins. It's time we, we took ownership of the relationships that we have, some destructive ones that you need to stop, some that you need to invest in and make better. But it's time to own this mess and to trade it in for the best that God has to offer us. Now, the question might be this. Well, how do we do that? Well, I don't think it's really that hard. Last week, we talked about being aware of just taking out the couch cushions of our lives and looking at all the scuzz that's underneath there. That's step one. Step two is to call it what it is, to look at it and say, well, it's just not a thing or a problem or a, a hang-up or this. We just got to call it sin. Or we've got to call it, man, this is something that happened to me, and this is an issue I've got to forgive. We've just got to acknowledge it. And then I think Scripture's pretty clear that we've got to confess that to God. Now, some of you, maybe you've done that. You say, I don't still feel like I've got a lot of ownership over that. Maybe that's why Scripture also tells us to confess that to another believer. It says, confess your sins to each other, and there's healing that comes in that. Sometimes that's what ownership means. It's I've got to own it. I've got to confess it. I've got, I've got to acknowledge it. And then I think the third step is simply this. It's, it's, God, what do I do now? Now that I know it, it's there. Now that I've acknowledged it, now that I've admitted it to you, what do I do now? And for some of you, that's going to mean you're going to need to get some help. That might mean some counseling. That might mean you've got to make a phone call to me tomorrow and say, Wesson, I've got this problem. What do I do about it? Who do I see? Who can I talk to? I'd be glad to tell you that. Some of you are going to have to take some ownership of that. Some of you are going to have to say these, those hard words of, I forgive you. Some of you are going to have to to make some changes in your life. But it's time we took ownership. This morning, I want us to close with a reading together of Psalm 32. Now, Psalm 32 is, is a great psalm. I'd love for you to read it at home in its entirety. I've, I've abbreviated it a little bit for our, our purposes here this morning. But Psalm 32 tells a story from the first-person perspective. Psalm 32 tells the story of somebody who had a bunch of stuff that they couldn't own. I don't know what it was. It was sin. It was something they had not acknowledged. They hadn't confessed it to God. Maybe it was even the sin that somebody had done to them. I don't know. I wasn't there when they wrote this. But the, the psalm is going to talk about how they, they, they wasted away. Their soul withered as though it was on a hot summer day until they confessed their sin to God and experienced His healing. And so this morning, I want us to all stand, right? Go ahead and stand. And I want us to read this together. And I want you to read it, if you can pray this as your prayer, uh, as, we, as we try to take ownership of our lives. So let's read this together. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in Him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, seeing all you who are upright in heart. And we're going to sing right now.
And we're going to sing the song. We call this the song of decision. And we do this every week because we know that God's spirit is alive and active inside of your lives. And perhaps this week, God has been working on you as you've been praying, as you've been aware of what's going on. Maybe you took the challenge seriously last week to look at your day and you've been saying, God, I see this. And this is the morning you're going to take some ownership of that. And so if that's the case, we're going to invite you to come forward. I'd love for you to come forward. love to pray with you. love to talk to you about what are those next steps that you can take to be obedient, to being a Christ follower, to accepting Jesus, to being baptized in Him. All those things, we can help you make sense of that. But it simply starts with you saying, I, I want to go further with the Lord. I want to make that next step. And if that's you, we're going to invite you to come forward as we sing this song. Others of you, you're saying, man, I really want to make a commitment to a church that's going to help me walk this path and hold me accountable and encourage me. If you've got the decision, love for you to come forward this morning. Others of you, you're here this morning, you know what you need to be doing. It's just really, really hard. And you would like somebody uh, to pray with you. I'm going to be down here. I would love to pray with you. Jared is going to be down here. He'd love to pray with you. Robin's going to be down here. She would love to pray with you. But, but friends, this morning, it's, it's time for us to not say, yeah, I'm going to take ownership of this tomorrow. We've done that for too long. It's time to say, today's the day I'm going to own this. Today's the day it's going to be different. Today's the day I'm going to let God make a difference. We, we've experienced this for too long, this wasting away, this, this playing pretend like it doesn't exist and like it's not an issue or that it's somebody else's fault. You can't upgrade what you don't own. This morning, it's time to, to own it and to trade it in for the very best that God has. Let's sing together.